and welcome to Grace Life Rondebosch. We are a gospel-centered church family focused on reaching the unreached and making disciples. We pray that this teaching will help you to grow in your relationship with Jesus and discover more of the reality of Christianity. Um, part nine, I think it is, of the prayer series. And last week we spoke about how uh, prayer needs to be empowered by the Spirit. So it's, it's the Spirit-empowered prayer that gets supernatural results. And we were talking about how, and this is something that I've had to meditate on a lot in order to understand it. I heard the teaching the first time, or I, the, and then it took me a while to understand it. And process it because of everything else I've been taught. So it took me a while to, to see this. That when I get saved, I've got the Spirit of God. Okay, I believe in the Gospel and the Spirit of God comes to dwell in me. Now, I need to allow the Spirit of God to flow out of me. And He flows out of me in gifts. In something that's visible. In something that can be heard. Okay, we call it baptism of the Holy Spirit, but baptism of the Holy Spirit is not receiving something you didn't have. Okay, baptism in the Holy Spirit is, uh, 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 it's like dipping into what you do have and allowing it to, to come out of you. Like John chapter 7, that's what Jesus said. John chapter 7, Jesus said this, we're not on the notes yet, but Jesus said, um, uh, um, at the great feast, he cried out and he said, um, if anyone is thirsty, let them come and drink. And he said he was speaking about the Holy Spirit, which had not yet been given. And how did he refer to the Holy Spirit? He said, It'll be stream he will be streams of living water flowing from within you. Not flowing upon you, flowing from within you. And the only way to understand that and correlate what Jesus said with the book of Acts, for example, and then with all the epistles, the letters of the New Testament, is to realize that the book of Acts is an eyewitness account. Luke writes the book of Acts. And you know what he does? An eyewitness means they see something and they write it down. Okay? So Luke sees people getting saved and he sees what's happening on them. He sees what the, 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 the manifestations of the Spirit and he writes it down. He describes it. But you know what Luke doesn't do? He doesn't. He never describes born again. Do you know why? Because you can't. <laughs> The only way that you can describe born again is the response or the fruitfulness. But you can't describe that action because, or that instance because it happens within. So he never talks about or teaches on the indwelling spirit. But you look through the, the letters of the New Testament and it's all they focus on. The indwelling of the Holy Spirit. In Acts we, we, we see language like comes up, the Holy Spirit came upon them. And it's more like Something took hold of them. We've got to get out of our minds, something fell from the sky. And we've got to start to see something overcame them. It's like, have you ever experienced that? Where adrenaline kicks in and, you know, people, people have had this, I've heard of it, where the, the, there's like a, a baby under a car or something like that. And then, like, adrenaline takes over and someone who's weak would be able to pick up the car to try and get the person out from the tire or whatever the case is. If adrenaline kicks in, Something comes upon you and you're able to do something that you couldn't do previously. That's how Luke in the book of Acts is describing the Holy Spirit. 
It's not receiving something you didn't have. If you've believed in the gospel, if you've believed that God raised Jesus from the dead, and you've confessed that Jesus is Lord, you're saved. Okay? Ephesians 1 verse 3 says that when you believed the gospel, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit. Now you receive the Holy Spirit, He dwells in you, but now we need that, that Holy Spirit to empower us. We need Holy Spirit within us to come upon us, to take over. Um, uh, uh, I quoted Reynard Bonke as saying this, if you don't know who he is, don't worry. But he said, um, uh, uh, there's a difference between, he said what we call the baptism of the Holy Spirit is basically the Holy Spirit having us. Salvation is us having the Holy Spirit and baptism of the Spirit or empowering of the Spirit is the Holy Spirit having us. So it's just the difference between the two is surrender. It's yielding. But it's also then stepping out in what's trying to overflow from within you. Amen? Amen. Okay. That's just a recap in four, five minutes from last week. But I encourage you to listen to the teaching again if uh, it's something that still, you're still thinking through. But since it's Father's Day, I thought I'd just start with a point on the Father's house because it matches, it goes in nicely with what we're talking about. So 1 Corinthians 3 verse 16 says, Know ye not that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you. Okay, so God lives in us. Amen? Okay, you are God's address. Amen? Now, I'll say this. You probably heard that the way you believe that. <laughs> okay, you didn't, you didn't hear that the way that it's written. It's true. That's what we do when we read the Bible. We read what we believe. We don't read what the Bible says. And so, often we're taught a lot of things which are not, sometimes they're not wrong. It's just slightly wrong. And then we accept it as this is what it says. Because that's not talking to you. That's talking to us. <laughs> and we read it as me. Okay? We, we, we'll come back to this in a moment. But this shows us the level of individualistic Christianity we have in our culture. And we're not called to individualistic Christianity. And if you look through the book of Acts, you read through the New Testament, you never find individualistic Christianity. What do I mean by that? Someone sitting at home in their apartment... Burning their candle. I'm talking about Bible times now. Burning their candle, praying to Jesus, and ha having a great time of fellowship with Him. Then going to the shop, maybe ministering to someone, praying for someone to be healed, and going home, and never fellowshipping. Then, as soon as we get born again, we're called to community. And this is talking to community. Okay, we, we, we'll get onto this in a moment. Um, <clears throat> but let's look at John 14, verse 1. <clears throat> It says, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. So the first thing, this is where I, I should have used this for, for the offering message. Um, your mansion in heaven is directly linked to your giving on earth. Amen? <laughs> That's a joke, amen. I know that. Because, I mean, I'm joking with that. You... you, you <laughs> according to our understanding of words if you read that it's impossible to have many mansions in a house 
Let's just think about that for a moment. <clears throat> okay? To understand what Jesus is saying, we have to dig deeper here and look at the context. Okay? So he's saying, firstly, in my Father's house. Okay? John 14, verse 10. Believest thou not that I am in the Father and the Father in me? The words that I speak unto you are not of myself, but the Father that dwelleth in me, he does the works. So this is showing the union of God Father and uh, God the Father. You can't say God Father without the. God the Father and Jesus. Okay? And this helps us understand Trinity a little bit better. Now let me say, the word Trinity is not in the Bible. So you would do well to forget about it. Because it's not in the Bible. Okay? We believe in God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, which we call the Trinity. But calling the Trinity, God the Trinity, kind of confuses, especially Muslims when we try and reach out to them, and it just makes problems. So forget about Trinity, and just think about God as being one. Because that's what the Bible says. The Bible says God is one. Okay? Now this is how we can understand this, okay? Um, if you look at verse 10, it speaks about God, or Jesus' union with the Father. I in the Father, and the Father in me. If you look at verse 20, it speaks about our union with the Father in Him. I and the Father and ye and me and I and you. Okay? <laughs> so, if you look at this, I'll explain this quickly. God the Father, or Jehovah, became the unseen. Who, he, he was the unseen. He became seen. Which is called? Jesus. Which we call the incarnate. Which is God in the flesh. Okay, Son of God, I have to touch on that, I can't not. Son of God doesn't mean born in a maternity ward. It doesn't mean someone that came from the womb. Okay, in the, in the biblical context, Son of God means God in the flesh to fulfill God's purpose. So, for God so loved the world that He sent His one and only Son... We, you know, what, what that's saying to us is that God became man when He dwelt in man, Jesus, so that um, uh, uh, <clears throat> He could have many sons. That's the, the end result. So, when the Bible speaks, King James and some other translations use the, the terminology sons of God. And a lot of ladies feel left out. Okay? And so modern translations throw in sons and daughters. Because they don't understand what sons of God are. Sons of God isn't um, gender specific. Okay? It's not gender confused either. <laughs> okay? So it's not gender specific. What is sons of God? Sons of God is the incarnate to fulfill His purpose. So, we became the sons of God because of salvation. God came to dwell in us in the Spirit. And now we are part of Him to fulfill His purpose. Okay, so that's how, 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 how since I've, I've seen that, it may, helps me understand it a whole lot better. John 14, verse 2. In the Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. So the word house, from the Greek, speaks of dwelling place. Okay? It's not used for a physical building. It's used to, to basically say dwelling place. I'm going to run through three verses quickly. Galatians 
It says, there, uh, as we therefore have opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially to them who are the household of faith. Household is the same word that's used for dwelling or for in my father's house. It's implying family. It's implying community, which implies a father. Okay? Ephesians uh, 2.19 Now therefore, you are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God. Same Greek word there for household is used as house. In my father's house are many mansions. Then it says, for this cause, Ephesians chapter 3.14, I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. So, as a born-again believer, we're part of a family. So let me just throw this in for free. God is not everybody's father. He's everybody's creator. He loves everybody. But you need to believe in order to become a son of God, a child of God. You need to believe in order to become. Okay? So back to John 14 verse 2. In my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you I go to prepare a place for you. The word mansion implies a place of dwelling or where somebody stays. So Jesus is talking about a fixed position when he speaks about mansion. Okay? Now where is this fixed position? In you. Okay, now the word prepare, I go to prepare a place for you. He's referring to death, burial, resurrection. He's going to prepare a place for us through his death, burial, and resurrection. Through his death, burial, and resurrection, he made you righteous, he made you holy, he made you pure, he made you fit to possess his Holy Spirit if you believe. So now you believe, you receive that, and His Spirit comes to dwell in you. So then you become, what? His dwelling place. Okay? And so if we look at that verse, um, In my Father's house are many mansions. One house, many mansions. One house, many mansions. So we become the mansion, and together we come to the house of God. So what that verse is also showing us is the importance of community. Because together, there's a special presence of God that you can't experience at home. Because we're not all bringing a puzzle piece of Him. You have Him in His fullness in you. But now we're coming together and we're experiencing more of Him. Okay? Because we're tapping into different parts maybe. Or what have you. But He went to prepare a place so that you could become His dwelling place. And we see the fulfillment of what he said there in John 14, verse 3. We see the fulfillment of that in Acts chapter 2, which I'm going to get to now. But I want to go back to that other verse quickly. Know ye not that you are the temple of God, that the Spirit of God dwells in you. He's speaking to us as a church. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, he speaks to the individual and he says that you are the temple of God. So he speaks to an individual. But here, in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, he's speaking to us as a church and he's saying together, you are the temple of God. It's not a building, it's the family gathering together. Okay? So it, it, it kind of helps to uproot individualistic Christianity. But then, John chapter 14 verse 3, I'm going to prepare a place for you. And I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, 
there you may also be. So then he's referring to the oneness that we would experience with him. And Acts chapter 2, as I said, is the fulfillment. From verse 1. And the day of Pentecost was fully come. They were with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. And it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues as of like fire. Like as of fire. And it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. So we read that. And we can straight away see um, Luke's description, because Luke is writing this, Luke's description of what he saw. He's not teaching, he's reporting. He's not teaching, he's reporting. If we want the teaching on what happened there, we have to go to Ephesians chapter 1. We have to go to 1 Corinthians, I think it's chapter 12, and a number of other places to be able to teach on the infilling of the Spirit and the, the, all of that. We can't teach it from Acts alone. Because Acts is primarily eyewitness, it's history, and there's some doctrine in it, but it's not primarily doctrine. Okay? It's really important that we see that. But here, what we see in Acts chapter 2 is the fulfillment of He went to prepare a place for us. We are that place. He, he went to prepare a place for us in the Father and the Father in us by the Spirit. And so now we're one with Him. 1 Corinthians 6.17 If anyone is joined unto the Lord, He's one Spirit with Him. So now we're one with Him. He dwells in us. Okay? So you are God's dwelling place. That's pretty much what we were focused on last week in terms of being filled with the Spirit. Okay? And, uh, 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 and then now we're looking at the overflow of the Spirit. There was immediately after, if you look at this verse, immediately after they were filled with the Spirit, they spoke with tongues. And throughout the, new, uh, uh, the book of Acts, we see they spoke with tongues and prophesied. We're not going to focus on that today. But I will say, they spoke with tongues and prophesied is linked. Because when you speak in tongues, Paul said... You know, when you speak in tongues, you're speaking unto God. No one understands. But then he says, now I'm jumping into it. But then he says, um, you know, uh, 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 but I would rather that I speak in a language that you understand. Okay? Because the interpretation of the tongues, he says, if you pray in tongues, let a man pray that he interprets. You know, what we, 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 what, how we look at that and how we interpret that verse is if a man prays in tongues, let him interpret. Now, there's a part in there which we'll get into and clarify, but it's saying, if a man prays in tongues, let him interpret. Because my interpretation of... Uh, if you write something, Paul writes a letter, he writes the book of Ephesians. Who's the best person to know the intention of the letter? Paul. Paul. Okay? If you send a, a WhatsApp message, a written one, to obviously a written one. If you send a written WhatsApp message, a typed one, to your friend, who is the best person to, to interpret that message? Not your friend. Have you ever misinterpreted a message? I've often done that. And I'm like, um, okay, let me rather speak to this person so I can hear the tone before I respond because I don't know what they're saying. You know? Like today, I mean, I had... Um, yeah, both my mom and I had Lucas send me a message and ask me a question and I was driving so I just responded no or nope. And if you, you know, you can misinterpret that <laughs> if you want to. 
But it was just because I, I couldn't type more. Yeah, it was just a quick no. But the, that's the thing. It's like we, we get the in, intention and the interpretation and all of that from the author. Okay? So it's the same thing uh, uh, with, with, uh, with interpretation of tongues. God gives you the interpretation and when you speak out that interpretation, do you know what we call that interpretation? Prophecy. Okay, so forget about prophecy as in foretelling. And think about prophecy as it's your, your, this, what the Spirit is saying to you to encourage someone. As I've meditated on this and seen this in the, in the Word, I've, I've been amazed, you know, whenever I've seen someone who's very strong in the prophetic, like we've had Marcus Wick come in. All those kind of people who are very strong in the prophetic, it's amazing. Do you know what they do while they're ministering? Do you know what they do while they're ministering? They pray in tongues. <laughs> And we don't think about that. They're praying in tongues. They're praying in tongues before the meeting. They're praying in tongues during the meeting. And then in between, they're giving you a word. Or they're telling you something about what they see over your life. Or whatever the case is. It didn't, they, didn't, they did not just suck that out of the air. It came from somewhere. Okay? So, the Spirit dwells in you in salvation. And... Baptism in the Holy Spirit, what we call baptism in the Holy Spirit, is when now the Spirit is now visible upon you. It's visible upon you for service. As in Acts chapter 1 verse 8, I don't know if it's there, yes it is. You will receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And you will be witnesses unto both me and Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. So the purpose of prayer is communion with Father, relationship with God, it's exercising our authority as believers. And now with the added bonus of the Holy Spirit, we are able to have an added edge because now the Holy Spirit will reveal things to us and we can pray into situations. The Holy Spirit will give us a word on our hearts for someone so we can minister more effectively. And this is showing that we receive power. Supernatural miracle working ability is the Greek word there for power supernatural miracle working ability so this is what every believer receives and the purpose of it is to be a witness the purpose of it is that your life would be different from an unbeliever the purpose of it is that you would have a greater fruitfulness than the average person who lives in the world that doesn't know god so that they would look at you and go what's different about you i know some of you have had that in the marketplace and then because they look at you and they're like, wow, you're experiencing peace. You're experiencing joy. It's not, sometimes it's supernatural with regards to healing and things like that. But it's not just limited to that. It's peace and joy is two, are two big things that the world doesn't experience. And we can experience it because the Holy Spirit lives in us. He's the spirit of joy. He's the spirit of peace. Okay? So, the Holy Spirit is the gift of Christ in us. Think about it like this. It is God. The Holy Spirit is God. You must stop thinking about it as I've got a piece of God. And you've got to start to see that he, it's all of God that lives in me. And now I need to start tapping into this all of God in me and unleashing all of God in me so that people would experience this. Okay? Which means I don't just have part of Jesus. I have all of Jesus in me. The, the thing that gets in the way is my brain, my thinking. If I start to think better, renew my mind better, and start to knowledge unlocks ability. If I start to 
uh, and know what I need to know, what am I, what's going to happen? I'll start to flow in the gifts more. Okay? I never flowed in any gifts of the Holy Spirit until I learned about them. <laughs> it's amazing. Okay? You know, until you learned how to drive a car, you didn't drive a car. You know, knowledge unlocks ability. So we've got to learn about these things, and then we've got to step into these things. Just because you watch a YouTube video on driving a car, and you read a book, doesn't mean you're all of a sudden going to get, you know, you, go, you can drive a car. You have to actually get into a car, turn the key, push the pedal, do this and do that, and then, wow, you're driving a car. You know, so it's the same thing. Okay? We've got the gift of Christ in us, and He is... I don't know how to say this except like this. He's the gateway to all the gifts. He is a, the gateway to all the power. Okay? Acts chapter 2 verse 4. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost or Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. So utterance is the visible sign of what you've received. Utterance is talking. Okay? So there was speaking in tongues, and this is a big topic, which I don't think we'll finish today. But they were speaking in tongues, and there was interpretation right there on the first day. I don't know if it's in my notes. But turn to Acts chapter 2. Let me show you that quickly. Because it's pretty cool. I only saw this recently. Did you know that? that what did they say? Um, where is it? Right in the beginning there. So they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Um, in Acts chapter 2, verse 4, they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. In verse 5, they were dwelling in Jerusalem, Jews, devout men of every nation under heaven. And when, they, this, noise, when this was noised abroad, the multitude came together and were confounded. Okay? They were confused. Because that every man heard them speak in his own language. They didn't learn this language, but they heard this language. And they were all amazed. And then verse uh, 8 says, how, And how hear we, every man in our own tongue? That's not where the one I'm looking for. Further down. Mm, where is it? 11, yes. Cretes and Arabians, we do hear them speak in our tongues the wonderful works of God. So that was the highlight of what the tongues meant. That was the interpretation. It doesn't mean that when you pray in tongues, your, your, your tongue has to be a language that someone in the room knows. But that's just one of the ways that you see that interpretation of tongues isn't word for word. It's usually a highlights package. It's the headlines. It's kind of like you get a general sense of what the Spirit's trying to communicate. That's the interpretation. So they were all praying in tongues, and um, uh, uh, the interpretation of it was they're speaking the wonders of God. Okay? So there, there, there that happened on the first day of Pentecost. Um, Romans chapter 8, verse 9. So this says, But you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. Now, if anyone have not the Spirit of Christ, he is not his. This is just showing us when you receive Christ, you receive the Spirit, 
and you're saved, you've got the Holy Spirit, you don't get another Holy Spirit. There's one Spirit. Okay? You cannot be saved without the Spirit. And so to speak in tongues, you don't need another Holy Spirit. Because there's only one Holy Spirit. Okay? So, why do some believers, you know that they're Christians, but why do some believers not speak in tongues then? It's not because they lack something tangible. It's not because they lack another Holy Spirit. It's because they kept their mouth shut. Okay? It's be, and that's either because of ignorance or something negative that they've been taught. Even something in charismatic circles that we're taught is now you're born again, now the next step is you need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. And so you don't have something, you need to get something. Okay? Now, that conflicts with many verses, but one in particular that comes up is Colossians 2 verse 10, which says, you are complete in Christ. So now, you come into Christ, you're saved. Now all of a sudden, you're complete, because you're in Christ. You've got everything that you need, you lack nothing. The only thing that you need is understanding to unlock what you've got. But then well-intending Christians come along and say, the next step for you, you know, spiritual growth is necessary in the kingdom. Amen? But you know what spiritual growth is not? Spiritual growth is not getting something you don't have. Spiritual growth is growing an understanding of what you do have. This makes speaking in tongues so much easier. Because now, as a Christian, I'm telling you, Christian, believer, you have the gifts inside of you. You don't just have tongues, you have every gift inside of you. That makes it so much easier. Because now I'm not like, I would really love the gift of whatever. Prophecy. I'd love the gift of tongues. I'd love the gift of healing, miracles, whatever. No, no, no. You've got that gift inside of you. You know what verse links up with that? Is when Jesus said, He that believes on me, the same works will he do and greater works than these. Okay? How do you do anything that Jesus did? By the power of the Spirit. <laughs> How do you do anything that Jesus did? What is it called? Gifts. It's, it's the gifts of the Spirit in operation. It's the visibility of God in us. Demonstration. Demonstration uh, uh, coming out of us. Amen? So Mark chapter 16 verse 17. Okay? These signs will follow them that are baptized in the Holy Spirit. What does it say there? These signs will follow them that believe. In my name they shall cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. Yeah, I've, I've studied this out probably longer than 10 years. Probably 15 or so. And I've kind of always been in the charismatic circles even when I went to a Baptist church and in the Baptist church I would have a, a, a conversation with people who who don't believe in baptism and the Holy Spirit and I do believe I did believe in the baptism and the Holy Spirit I do now but just differently and I would be we would be talking about it and I would like look at them and I'd be like okay but you lack something you don't have the baptism of the Holy Spirit you don't have the gifts of the Spirit. You're living a powerless life. It's evident. Like, you need the baptism of the Holy Spirit. 
Because it's evident. Everyone who believes in the baptism of the Holy Spirit, or like around the world, people who are doing something for God believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And it's true. But here's the thing. What confused me was how many Baptists I know that don't believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit, but they operate in gifts. <laughs> I would kind of be like, that doesn't make any sense. Like, that doesn't make any sense, Jesus, so I'm just going to ignore that. Like, I don't understand that. Like, how is it that that guy just prayed for someone and they got healed? Or they speak in tongues, but they're not baptized in the Holy Spirit. Or that sounded a bit like prophecy to me. How did they know that? That was a word of knowledge. You know, I'm like, I think I need to ignore this. Because it doesn't fit with my theology. But now it fits with my theology. <laughs> I didn't try and fit it into my theology. Now, after studying the word, I understand that they were dipping into what they have. They just didn't know what they had. But in a moment of crisis or something, they withdrew from what they had and they did something supernatural. Okay? So Mark chapter 16 verse 17, These signs will follow them that believe. In my name they will cast out devils, they shall speak with new tongues. So, this is the sign for anyone who believes in the gospel. They will speak in tongues. We can all speak in tongues. And I know there's a verse that some of you are thinking of and wondering about. We'll get there. But we need to see what the whole Bible says. Not just that one verse that you're worried about. Okay? You know that tongues was prophesied about in the Old Testament. Look at Isaiah 28 verse 11. With stammering lips... And another tongue he will speak to his people. To whom he said, This is the rest wherewith you may cause the weary to rest. This is the refreshing. Yet they would not hear. So this is showing a prophecy about tongues. Stammering lips and another tongue he will speak to his people. Praying in tongues is God speaking to you as well. But you know what it is also? It's you speaking to God. And he only understands, you don't understand. But this is also showing us that it's refreshing you. What does it say there? This is the rest wherewith you cause the weary to rest. So, I mean, for me, this is what I've practiced for years. When I'm tired, I'm weary, I'm down, I'm drained, or whatever, I pray in tongues. And then I, something supernatural shifts, and I'm encouraged. I've got strength again. I know, I know, kind of just move forward. So, that Acts chapter 2 is the fulfillment of Isaiah 28. Okay? And you know what Luke records in Luke chapter 2? I'm not Luke chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. You know what, what Luke is recording there? He's to, recording that the disciples spoke in tongues. How many of them? All of them spoke in tongues. No one was excluded. So all of them took hold of. All of them took hold of or received from the indwelling of the Spirit that they had already inside of them okay so again all believers spoke with tongues let's look at what paul writes about tongues 1 corinthians 14 verse 18 i thank my god i speak with tongues more than ye all <laughs> so paul spoke with tongues he taught and instructed as well uh, that the church at corinth to do the same so if Paul was here today, he would be saying, hey, he is in the Bible here to us today, saying, pray in tongues. Okay? 1 Corinthians 5 verse, uh, 14 verse 5. I would that ye all spake with tongues, 
but rather that you prophesied. For greater is he that prophesieth than he that speaketh with tongues, except he interpret, that the church may receive edifying. So me praying in tongues doesn't bless you. Unless I start translating, or what's it? Interpreting, not translating. You don't translate tongues, you interpret them. Okay, because it's not a word for word, it's a general sense. This is what he's saying. And, um, you know, you don't have to go pray in tongues and then stop and go, the, trans, the, the interpretation is. You don't do that. You just pray in tongues and you stop and you pray in English. Or you speak in English. You know, um, I pray in tongues before the service, before I minister, I always pray in the Spirit. Why? So that sometimes if I'm praying for you, you come up and I'm laying hands on you and I'm praying for you, I don't have to pray in tongues necessarily. Because I've already prepared myself. And so now, I believe the interpretation is in my heart. I know what God wants to do, so now I just flow in it. Okay? 1 Corinthians 14.23 If therefore the whole church become together <clears throat> into one place, and all speak with tongues, and there come in those that are unlearned or unbelievers. I love how it says unlearned. It describes a lot of people in church. Unlearned or unbelievers. They will... Uh, will they not say that you are mad? The answer is yes. <laughs> they will. Okay. But in verse 39, he, gives, he teaches and gives instructions that we should not stop believers from speaking in tongues. Okay. So even though people would think that you're mad, don't stop. Why? Because, and he gets into it, the interpretation of that tongue is a sign for the unbeliever because the interpretation is prophecy okay uh, 1 Corinthians 14 39 wherefore brethren covered to prophesy and forbid not to speak with tongues so the local church we need to teach on this we need to understand this and then we need to operate in it and Friday night ministry night is a great place to operate in it a lot more freely than even here. Because we don't invite um, people who aren't part of Grace Life. <laughs> it's not an open meeting. It's a closed meeting. People who are part of Grace Life, we generally accept that they're born again. <laughs> okay? If they're not, they go there, they probably will get born again. But the point is that our time together there is an opportunity to shun die a bit, get the interpretation, edify, prophesy, step out and, and practice these things. You get better in it the more that you do it. I remember, I understood a few things. I didn't understand it how I'm, I'm, I'm teaching it tonight and how I'm going to have to continue teaching it next week because I don't, I'm not going to finish. But I remember learning about tongues and then, you know, basically, I'm going to keep this, this amazing testimony for the end. What are tongues? Okay, so now I've got a slide and I've put it up there for your benefit. Okay? Remind me about the, 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 the testimony. <clears throat> what are tongues? Number one, tongues is a spiritual gift. Uh, sorry, tongues is a gift in the spirit indwelling every believer. 1 Corinthians 12, 4. Okay? We have the indwelling spirit. Now the la because we are the Father's mansion. You have the, His spirit, God Himself living in you. Now, you can talk the language of your father. <laughs> okay? 
So, because of the indwelling spirit, you can pray in tongues. You don't have to pray in tongues. You don't, if you don't want to, you don't have to. You're missing out on a lot. But you don't have to. God won't be mad at you. You might just meet Him quicker. Okay, number two. Meaning in, obviously in glory, as they would say. Praying in tongues is to pray in the Spirit. Okay? Praying in tongues is to pray in the Spirit. So when we see Paul writing and admonishing and encouraging us to pray in the Spirit, he's saying pray in tongues. Okay? Similarly, singing in tongues is singing in the Spirit. Singing in tongues is singing in the Spirit. Okay? 1 Corinthians 14, 14 to 15. Okay? Paul taught, number three, and instructed believers to pray always in the Spirit. So we should always be praying in the Spirit. I like, over the last many years, as um, I've seen different leaders in Grace Life get a revelation of this. I've enjoyed seeing how they've stepped into this. Um, like Peter from Stellenbosch, and I've seen um, uh, Etienne as well. And what's amazing with them is um, they, they then walk around and they do it all the time. And uh, you can hear them doing it like just in between everything. And I'll say that from that, there's a distinction in the amount of fruitfulness they have in their life and ministry since that point. So this will help you grow in fruitfulness. Okay, number four. When we pray in tongues, in the Spirit, we edify ourselves. And there's references there. 1 Corinthians 14, 4. Jude 1, 20. Remember, there's only one chapter in Jude. So it's just Jude 20. Okay, so it, you're praying in your spell, in the Spirit, you're encouraging and building up yourself. You're discouraged, you don't know what to do, pray in the Spirit. Okay, sometimes your, your English prayer or your Afrikaans prayer is going to do you no good. Because you're going to just pray unbelief. And you're going to pray negativity. And you're going to whine and complain. When you pray in the Spirit, you're never complaining. When you pray in the Spirit, you're never whining. When you pray in the Spirit, you're praying the perfect will of God. Okay? What number are we on? Five. I think we've done four. Five. To edify means to build up ourselves. 1 Corinthians 14, 26. Number six. Everyone, talking about believers, can and should speak in tongues privately. And then also in the gathering, uh, which is the local church. 1 Corinthians 14, 5 and 1 Corinthians 14, 23. We should pray in tongues in private. And we should pray in tongues together. Okay? It doesn't mean... Like some of you won't get up and say two words in English. Okay, some of you won't get up here and say two words in English to us. Even if it's a small group. And that's fine. Personality, all of that. You're growing. You might get more comfortable with it over, year, over the you know, couple of years to come or whatever. But this is the thing. You don't have to pray in tongues so that we all hear. And when you do start, we're not all going to come and listen. <laughs> because you're not speaking to us. You're speaking to God. So you're welcome just to pray in the Spirit. Not while I'm talking. Quietly while I'm talking. But in worship, that's what I'm doing a lot of the time. You know? Number seven. Therefore, speaking in tongues doesn't happen to the unbeliever unconsciously. You've got to realize that a lot of people, when, when they're praying for tongues or they want to speak in tongues, they, they kind of think it's just something that comes upon you and then... Wah! <laughs> doesn't happen like that. Okay? Yeah, the, 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 we are to consciously speak in tongues. You know, what did Paul say? He said, I pray in the tongues more than you all. 
He didn't say tongues praise in me more than you all. He chose to step out and speak in tongues. You can pray in tongues when you want to pray in tongues. If you've never prayed in tongues before, it applies to you as well. <laughs> you pray in tongues when you want to pray in tongues. You might need a little bit of coaching. So if you don't pray in tongues, don't leave here without maybe coming and, and we can pray for you. We can pray for you next week as well if you want to think about it and go over this teaching again. Where, you know, sometimes it just takes a little bit of coaching. I remember when I was uh, prayed for, for praying in tongues, I was expecting something to come upon me because that's what you read in the Bible. Right? So I expected something to control me. And I mean, I was in grade three. <laughs> so I was in grade three, and I remember my Sunday school teacher praying for me. And eventually she stopped and she was like, you just have to speak out what's coming inside of you. And so then I just did. I started. It came from within, not from without. It came from within, not from without. Not upon. It looked like upon when I started speaking in tongues. Okay? 1 Corinthians 12, 30. Have all the gifts of healing? Question mark. Do all speak with tongues? Question mark. Do all interpret? Question mark. But covetly, uh, covet earnestly the best gifts, and yet show uh, I unto you the more excellent way. The word covet means to go after. You've got to want it. My testimony, if there's time. <laughs> I might keep it for next week there. My testimony will show you how I desired to minister in the gifts, and that's why I did. Okay? I desired to do it, so that's why I did it. Okay? Um, you have to go after it. 1 uh, Corinthians 14 verse 1. Follow after charity, God's kind of love, and desire spiritual gifts, and, but rather that you may prophesy. So well done for speaking in tongues. But now as you speak in tongues, and all of a sudden, I'll have to speak on this next week, your mind becomes fruitful. You didn't understand something, and now all of a sudden, click, you understand something. Or something while you're praying in tongues comes up in your heart, and you're like, wow, I never knew that. Or, why am I thinking about this? That's the Holy Spirit trying to communicate to you. You're praying in the Spirit and all of a sudden, you have this thought. If you're thinking of someone, start thinking about them while you're praying in tongues more. And then, maybe contact them. Or maybe God will put a word of encouragement on your heart for them. Or whatever. Okay? We're kind of just going over this and, and, and touching on things. But this implies that the believer is to be willing... To speak in tongues and prophesy consistently. This is something we should be doing all the time. You don't have to, if you're going to give interpretation over someone or prophecy to someone, they don't have to hear you speaking in tongues. Let me just encourage you with that. Because <laughs> sometimes we're like, I was at the, the restaurant and I feel like I need to, to, to give a word to someone. You don't have to let them hear you praying in tongues. You can pray in tongues quietly and then go up to them. Be like, I just wanted to encourage you X, Y, and Z. You know, if you are that person, we'll go up to them and go, Shandaladadadia. I just, like, maybe stop it. <laughs> maybe calm down a little bit and use a little bit more tact. You know, you can shandai like that here. Yeah, we would love it. But don't do it out there, maybe. Because we don't want you locked up. <laughs> we have to visit people in hospital from time to time, but we don't want to visit you in there because you're on fire. Okay? 1 Corinthians 14, 12. Even so, ye, 
for as much as ye are zealous of spiritual gifts, seek that ye may excel to the edifying of the church. That's the purpose, to build up the church. Wherefore, let him that speaketh in an unknown tongue pray that he may interpret. It's the same he. Okay, the same person. The word zealous here means to boil over with passion. So you've got to want it and go for it. Okay? It's the same thing like Paul said to Timothy. Neglect not. Stir up the gift that's within you. Okay? I'm going to land this soon now. 1 Corinthians 12, 11. But all these worketh that one and selfsame spirit, dividing to every man severally as he will. This is a verse that a lot of people like to bring up and say, but um, the gift that you receive is according to the will of the Holy Spirit. That's, what a lot, that, that's how a lot of teaching is, is from this verse. And it says that, and, and we would say that, the, 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 it's, let me read it again. But all these worketh that one and selfsame spirit, dividing to every man severally as the Spirit wills. That's how we interpret that. But it's not as the Spirit wills, it's as you will. Because now you've got the Spirit, and so now what you will have come out of you, will come out of you. I like this because it takes the pressure off of me trying to get hold of something because I'm like, oh wow, I've got something. I've got something to give. I can do something now. I can flow in something now. Okay? So, this is, this is liberty, really. 1 Corinthians 14, verse 15. What is it then? I will pray in the Spirit. What does that mean? Pray in tongues. Okay? I will pray with understanding also. What is that? Interpretation of tongues. Isn't that amazing? I will sing with the Spirit. What is that? Singing in tongues. I will sing with understanding also. The interpretation of that. The phrase, I will though, shows an intention on the believer's part. If you don't want to, you don't have to. You won't. If you want to, you can. And you, you should. And you will. But it's a function of desire. Okay, 1 Corinthians 14, 26. How is it then, brethren, when ye come together, every one of you hath a psalm, has a doctrine, has a tongue, has a revelation, has an interpretation, let all, be th all things be done to the edifying. So when we come together, we can choose to speak in tongues and edify ourselves, but we should also choose to step out and then edify the church. As God puts something on your heart, maybe it's just a verse, or maybe it's just a word of encouragement or something. Step out and go and give it to someone. Okay? So, there is a lot more that we need to cover in talking about this. But I'll just share this. Acts 13.52 The disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Ghost. The Passion says, They left the new converts in Antioch, overflowing with joy of the Holy Spirit. So, if we're tapping into the Spirit, if we're dipping in or experiencing the Spirit, it should make us joyful, not morbid. It should be something nice and exciting and good for us and it should be encouraging. It shouldn't be something that makes us seem like we've been bathed in lemon juice. It shouldn't be, be, you know, it shouldn't be something that makes us bitter and twisted and unhappy. It should be something enjoyable. Like Ephesians 5.18 says, 
Be not drunk with wine, where is an excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Okay? The Passion says, don't get drunk with wine, which is rebellion, but be filled continually with the Holy Spirit. So this is an instruction for you. What I like about it is it's saying to the believer that you should continually be filled with the Spirit. But I thought I was full. You are full, but now it's talking about allowing that filling to keep going. Overflow. Have a, 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 um, what do you call it? Let us see the upon. Okay? Every believer can be filled. It's their choice. It's their responsibility. It's your decision. But now, we need to be doing this continually. The passion there says, don't get drunk with wine, which is rebellion. Instead, be filled continually. The, the, one of the footnotes there speaks about how, when it says, be filled continually with the Holy Spirit, it says, be inebriated in the Spirit's fullness. What does that mean? Some of you know more than others. <laughs> what does that mean? It means that we should allow the Spirit to transform us. <laughs> we should allow the Spirit, as we're praying in the Spirit, as we're dipping in, as we're enjoying Him, to make us, like some of us will get more bolder. Some of us might experience different things. You know, I don't know, uh, uh, I've never been drunk with wine, so I don't know what I would do in that situation. I'd probably just laugh, I would imagine. But like, you know, sometimes that's what some people experience. And I'm not going extreme in the sense of now we're just going to have a laughing meeting or something. But what I am saying is that if we're tapping into the Spirit and we're praying in the Spirit, we're going to be happy. Amen. We're going to be enjoying it. You know, and you can experience this at home. But what I've shown you in a couple different verses is together we are the house. You're a mansion by yourself. You're a party waiting to happen. But bring the party here, and then together, this is what we're going to do on Friday. Together, all the mansions come together, and now together we're going to overflow, and it's going to be much better than if you were at home by yourself. Every Sunday should be like that, where someone's coming with a song, and someone's coming with a word of encouragement, or a prophecy, or whatever. And this is why we're teaching on these things, so that we can know these things, so that we can do these things. What is the purpose? Acts 1.8 You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you shall be a witness. What For the last however long, couple of decades since what we call the charismatic renewal in church history, what people have done, what the church has done is made the Holy Spirit and experiences about the, in the Holy Spirit all about me and my enjoyment and my entertainment and my experience. That's not what it's for at all. It's great, it's fun, it's enjoyable, but the purpose of it is that you would be salt and light in the earth and people would come to know God because of you. The purpose of the power of the Holy Spirit is to be a witness. The gifts of the Holy Spirit. I'll quote our friend Reynard Bonnke again. <laughs> the, the gifts of the Holy Spirit are not badges of honor to be worn here on a Sunday. The gifts of the Holy Spirit are not badges of honor for us to wear here and go, I can prophesy. Somebody say prophesy. No. <laughs> I say that because there's, um, that's what some people do in church. Okay? We, 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 it's not a badge of honor where now all of a sudden everyone's just 
amazed at your ability. But the gifts of the Spirit are tools to get the job done. Because imagine, I okay, for my testimony in closing. <laughs> this is, now this is years back, it's in 2009, before I went to ministry school, the Bible school, before Grace Life had started. Uh, why? Because, um, why do I remember this and like to share this testimony? Because it's the first time this ever happened for me. It's before I was in full-time ministry. This is 2008, I'm sorry. And so it's, it's, it's something that really impacted me because it showed me what's possible. So I did not like church. <laughs> okay, I wasn't enjoying church. I didn't want to go to church. And I was part of a church. And I was like moaning with God, obviously in English, because tongues doesn't moan. And I was like, Lord, I really don't want to be here, I go to church today. I said, I can play my guitar and I can worship here. If I don't want to play my guitar, I can put on a worship CD or something. I said, I can fellowship with you here. I can listen to good teaching. All of that. Why must I go to church, get a bad message, not enjoy worship, like, and just to see people? I see people in the week. You know, I'm, I'm, I fellowship, I make disciples in the week. Why must I go to church and I don't enjoy it? And he said, well, maybe you should go to church for somebody else. I was like, ooh. <laughs> That's a good point. <laughs> so I was like, okay. And I had learned about the things of the Spirit already. And so I was like, I'm going to go to church. And I'm going to see someone that I can minister to. So I was like, I went to church. And I don't know what songs they did. I don't know anything about the worship. Because during worship, I was praying in the Spirit. And I was, yeah, it was about maybe 200 people in the, in the church. So now I'm there. And I was on, um, at the door welcoming people. And as soon as this one guy got out of the car... And started walking down the path towards the front door. There was a draw towards him. Now I'll explain all of this in coming teachings as we look at these things. Okay. Now I had this draw towards him. Okay. And that's the Holy Spirit in me reaching out to him. And so I was like, okay, there's something here. So I started praying in the Spirit. And during the service I was thinking about him. I was praying over him. And I was... God, and I felt kind of God put a few things on my heart. Now it's the first time I'm doing this. So I had a pen and I'm writing on my hand. <laughs> I'm writing just headlines of what I feel God's saying. And it's generic stuff that would bless most of us. Okay. Um, God wants you to know that He's your Father. That would bless a lot of us more than it would bless others. But it's a, it's a blessing to know that. You know. Um, and then I, I, I felt something else, and one of the things was uh, I feel like um, uh, enemies tried to take him out, but God's got a purpose for his life, and I don't know what else, and God's calling him to rise up, something like that. So wrote all that down, and then, you know, worship was done. I don't know what they preached on, because I was thinking about this. You know, my heart was really not in a great place for church, right? So now, church is finished, and as soon as church is finished, what everyone did there was... They took their chair and they started stacking them and we would clear the hall. And I was like, straight away, I was like, like okay, great. I need to find this guy. So I, I went straight for him. And uh, I said, uh, hello, we haven't met yet. My name is Shane. And he was kind of like, hi, you know, very Afrikaans. Um, I just say that because then that you can, there was a bit of a communication gap. And, um, and so then um, I said to him, can, you know, I really felt God say that I should pray for you. Can we kind of move away from all this commotion of the chairs and then I'll pray for you? 
And then he looked at me really like freaked out. And he said, okay. And we walked up you know, to the side of the hall and he's like, um, <clears throat> he stops me. And by this time, like a few steps down the line, he's got tears in his eyes. And he says, I just asked God to send someone to pray for me. And I said, well, let's go find, away from all this commotion with the chairs so that I can pray for you. So we found a corner and then I was like, okay, great. I turned to him, and now he is crying, and he, uh, he says to me, there's so much going on in my life right now. I was like, well, let's not talk about it. I want to pray for you. <laughs> I was like, we can talk about what's going on in your life after I've prayed for you. Because I was like, I don't want him to tell, tell me what I've written on my hand. <laughs> I want to give him the word. Like, he needs to know that I heard from God. So I, I moved on, and um, he closed his eyes. I put my hand on his shoulder, and I was like, Father, I, I knew his name then. I was like, Father, I want to pray for Yanni. I just thank you that you... you, you. <laughs> so I'm looking at my crib notes on my hand. I thank you, Father, that you are his father. And he's crying more. That you were always there, Father. Those are some of the things I felt. And then as I'm praying for him, I felt more starting to come. And I was like, and I've shun died before the service. <laughs> so I'm not shun dying in front of him. And I'm like, I pray, Father, I thank you that... And I'm like... I don't know if he plays rugby, but I really sense, it doesn't look like a rugby player, but I really sense like something was rugby. So I was like, even at every rugby match, Father, you were there. He's crying even more. I'm like, Father, I thank you that you know, where the enemy has tried to take his life, like you, you protected him. He's crying more. And I'm like, and Father, I just thank you that you're calling him. There's a mighty man inside of him and you're calling him to rise up and whatever. By that stage, the guy fell over. And now he's on the floor, and I'm like, I don't know what to do now. <laughs> so I went down with him, and I was just praying quietly, like in the spirit over him. And then he kind of looked at, he woke up, he, he, he sat up, and he looked at me, and he's like, um, have we met before? I was like, no, we met for the first time today. So, like, what did God do in your heart? Like, I, I, I want to know, did I hit it? Did I miss it? Like, what happened? And he's like... Are you sure we haven't met before? I was like, I'm pretty sure we've never met before. I don't remember ever seeing you. He said, you've just told me my whole life. I was like, that's great. Like, you know, can give me some more context? Like, and he just couldn't speak. So I made a mistake in giving him my number. I should have taken his number. But I gave him my number and I said, call me and let's meet for coffee. Thankfully, he did message me. And we did meet up for coffee and he told me. He was adopted at birth. So if God is your father, it was a big deal for him. He, uh, his adopted father um, drank himself to death and used to beat his mom, something like that. Then um, he had a, his mom had a new boyfriend or fiancé, and this guy, he, he was always the kid without a dad at rugby. <laughs> he was always the kid which never had someone on the sidelines except his mom now and then. And he was always wishing for that. And me saying God was on the sidelines, cheering you on, meant a lot to him. And that took a big step of faith for me to say that. Because it wasn't like, uh, uh, you know, you're confident in what you're hearing from God. Then I said to him, um, well, he said to me that uh, uh, the, the fiancé used to come and watch every rugby match. We'd take him to um, Loftus and, you know, all this kind of stuff. Like, he was a real dad for him. And he was killed in a car accident. And then he said... At age five, he nearly died from, I'm not going to go into the detail about it, but a, an accident where he was pea shooting with straws and pins 
uh, with his cousin and uh, he sucked in the pin instead of blowing it out and he had to have a major op very quickly and his life was spared. Then he, um, uh, when he was in university, um, a truck drove over him and his friends in the vehicle. He was um, some or other athlete and um, he always had a sore hip after that. His friend was a triple jumper and had his ankle crushed so he couldn't triple jump again. And, 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 and he was just going against through everything, how spot on every word. And then he said, and when you said there's a mighty man inside of me, and that's just scripture, you know, when, and, uh, and God's calling it out, um, that really like, made me feel like something significant inside of me. Like, and, and I just was overwhelmed. Um, and, you know, um, prayed for him, received the Spirit. Uh, um, you know what I mean by that? He fell over speaking in tongues and um, prayed for him. His hip was instantly healed. Um, and his whole life changed so radically that he was radical without knowledge. So that means usually a bit of an extreme case. <laughs> like he was passionate about God and ran wholeheartedly for God, unfortunately, in, in, often in legalistic churches uh, uh, where they didn't maybe handle him right, but, but he was passionate and running for God because that moment changed his life forever. And it's all because I was fed up with church, I didn't want to go, and I prayed in tongues, and I was like, okay, God, I'll go. And I went and I stepped out, and I wasn't a leader. I was, didn't even have a life group at that stage. I, I wasn't even going to ministry school at that stage. I say that because then no one's excused in this room. Like, imagine what anyone can do then in this room. You know, since then, I can't remember all the testimonies of stepping out like that. But it just shows you, like, what God can do through you if you will. I will pray in tongues, Paul said. I will give interpretation. I will sing in the Spirit, whatever. So it's like you, if you will, you can. Amen? Amen. So we're not going to go long on this, but let's stand up together. And, uh, you know, I just want to encourage you to pray in tongues. And if you don't pray in tongues, don't freak out. You can just, you know, pray gently in English or just... Like, ask God to help you in that and whatever. But all you need, you, like I said, you can come up for coaching or ministry in it later. But just as things come into your mind and in your heart, you just speak them out. And so just pray gently in the Spirit and just allow God to speak to your heart. And I believe He's going to give you a word for someone. He might give you a word for us. He might give you a word for someone that you need to reach out to in the week. But He's going to want to reach out to someone too. He'll give you a word for you. But more than all of that, praying in the Spirit edifies yourself. It builds you up. You don't understand it, but let's just close our eyes for a moment. And Father, I thank you that as we dip into the Spirit within us and just pray in the Spirit, I thank you just for those streams of living water that are flowing now just to refresh. Refresh, revive, restore, renew. And I thank you that even fruit understanding is going to become fruitful. There's going to be wisdom just come up in people's hearts and people's minds, answers to situations that they're facing. And uh, as you even bring up people in their hearts and they pray over them, I thank you that there's going to be ministry there, Father. However you want to do it, Father, right now, we just allow you to do it in the name of Jesus, through us, Father. Thank you, Jesus.
You might be saying, I don't understand the tongues when I pray. That's, that's 100% correct. <laughs> You're not supposed to. You won't understand it. It, it, it. It's something that the understanding of it is just understanding. You just all of a sudden know something you didn't know before. Thank you, Jesus. God's not angry with you if you don't speak in tongues. God's not upset if you if you unsure about it or whatever. Go and study it out some more. Listen to the rest of the uh, the series on it. But it's something that God's got for you that will be a blessing to you and the people in your life. You can find more of our free teachings on our website, www.gracelife.co. And if you're ever in the Cape Town area, we invite you to join us for one of our gatherings. Our aim is to help you discover Jesus, find family, and experience life. To contact us or to find out where and when we meet, visit our website www.gracelife.co